With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Mainland Podcast. We are on episode number 119. I am Michael Centro from the Mainland.com, the founder and managing editor. And uh, joining me is David Rowe. Dave, how are you this week? Um, I'm good. Uh, I've realized that I shouldn't go out and play soccer on leaves because you slip and fall and hurt yourself. But other than that... Uh, I'm good because I did win the game, so, you know. Well, that's good. Uh, leaves, yeah, slippery, slippery suckers. I remember in um, when I was in college, I hit a curb really hard in my with my car because uh, I turned on a wet brick road with leaves on it. Uh, yep. So wet leaves on a brick road is like, um, it makes ice seem not slippery at all. And I, uh, I went in pretty hard. So I know it's what like you're talking me, about. It's like me trying to cut and, and go the other direction with the ball on leaves. It doesn't work. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. At your age especially. Yeah, especially at my age. <laughs> well, Dave, I'm excited about this episode of the Mainland Podcast here, number 119, because uh, this is the first time this season we've got to talk about a victory, uh, Orlando City or the Pride, and now we have a win in the uh, in the win column as the uh, the Lions hosted the New York Red Bulls. Lots of familiar faces in the Red Bull lineup with uh, Aurelian Collin and Tommy Redding as the starting center back duo. And Carlos Rivas uh, in the, I mean, he was announced as a striker, but I swear he was playing under Etienne the entire game. Yeah. So, uh, again, Carlos Rivas allergic to the penalty area. Uh, still is a thing. And I'm a little disappointed that he didn't clear the Heineken sign, but he did put one in the other end that was probably going to clear the Heineken sign if there was one in the wall. So I'm going to count that as a half point for me on that prediction. Well, that makes sense, though, because <laughs> he, he did the Heineken sign when he was the home team. Now he's the away team, so it's the other goal. Oh, so he's going the other way. Right. Okay. I, I, I got you. I understand. Uh, yeah. It all makes sense suddenly. And, uh, of course, he was offside two or three times as well. So it was the old Carlos we know and love. Uh, sometimes not didn't the, love quite not so the Carlos much. that's actually been scoring goals, <laughs> not against us. Yeah. Well, you know, Carlos Rivas is – I mean, we have all talked – we've talked about Carlos many oh, times. Yes, about many how times. how frustrating a player he is when he is capable of such – 
unbelievable skill and and he's got the speed and he just hasn't been able to put it all together consistently he's had individually fantastic games i mean the game at montreal comes to mind uh that he had up there where he was involved in every goal the the game at uh new york red bulls uh back in 2015 when he was setting up Mm -hmm. goals left and right and just making you know pinpoint crosses from the left wing he's had these opportunities he's had these games uh, he just hasn't been able to put them together uh, in a you know any kind of consistent way. Now, Orlando City welcomed the Red Bulls, and of course, Red Bulls are in CONCACAF Champions League. They've been rotating their squad, but that squad's actually been quite good, even when the starters have not played. Yes, you know, they have. Uh, they, they really scorched a, a Portland Timbers team that admittedly is struggling, but, I mean, they just tore them apart, and... Um, believe that was the game that Rivas had his two goals um but they came in and and they really uh, play the same way as the starters they get in your face they make you uncomfortable they turn you over and uh, they strike and and you know there's this thing on mlssoccer.com the uh, match center they take the highlights and uh they show the best passes best skills and all that kind of thing and if you look at the best passes video on mls the red bulls have like four of them like four of, I don't know how many there are, but there's probably like 20. And they have like four of them because they were just perfect passes. Uh, and, you know, they they led the goals. And uh, they were able to score three times. They scored seven minutes in off of a, a, a play where uh, El Munir stepped in and tried to knock the ball away. But it went straight to Rakowski or Chukowski. I'm not how, sure how you say his name, but <laughs> Owski. Let's just call him Owski. Um, anyway, he, uh, he, he sends the ball to, uh, to Kaku out on the left wing and, and, uh, just a, a, an inch perfect cross to, uh, to clear El Munir by about an inch and, uh, fall straight onto Velot's, uh, or Velo's head. And he put it in with the header made it one, nothing early and, mm-hmm. and the entire stadium, you could just, you could just sense a, <sighs> Like, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, it was a here we go again. It really was. You know, especially because it was, um, you know, Elmanir getting beaten on the back post, which we've seen a couple times this year. Now, like you said, it was a, it was an incredible pass. I don't know, uh, you know, could he have defended it? Maybe. But it, it's not like he was, you know, sitting up at the, the top of the box just looking around going, what? You know, I mean, it wasn't that bad. No, I mean, he... When that ball comes in, he's got to be looking at it, thinking, I've got this. It's going to fall right for me, and I'm going to head it away. And then it just exactly. buzzes right over you. I mean, it's there's two things you could do. I don't know that he had time to get out wide enough to get on the player, uh, but you know, you know, it's just like a basketball pass. If you try to undercut it, sometimes that thing's going to be lobbed perfectly over you and get into the big man. So, um, you know, that's what happened. And you know what? I, I just uh, – yeah, El Munir's given up a couple of goals on back posts or given up some chances on the back post. But here, the dirty little secret in, in soccer is every fullback does. Every fullback <laughs> it's, does. It's only – no, Michael, don't you understand? It's only <laughs> your guy that it matters. I remember – I remember. Uh, I think it was uh, – there was a game Patrice Ever got beat like three times in a row uh, on the back post for Manchester United. And I'm like – if you were just a little taller, Patrice, if you're just like three <laughs> inches taller, uh, it was similar to that. But um, yeah, I would say that that was um, it was a bad goal. It was, you know, Sutter didn't get out and, and, and close it down enough in time to prevent a perfect cross. But 
you know, that play was a bang, bang play where it's uh, now it's, oh, it's here. Here we go. We're going to take it away. Oh, no, here they come. And everybody's sort of kind of scrambling to get back into position quickly. And it's, you know, it, it doesn't take much for these this level of, of athlete to make you pay for those kind of mistakes and those kind of turnovers. So it was nice to see Orlando City bounce back. They uh, It took them a little bit, but they finally... Uh, equalized on a Will Johnson goal that uh, started with a, just a beautiful pass from Sasha Kleschen to send Miram down to the line. And uh, they got uh, just the movement over there between those guys got uh, the entire Red Bulls line out of back line out of position. Uh, our old friend Tommy Redding was well out of position. Uh, when Miram got on the ball, he only had to slot it past uh, Aurelian Collin. And uh, Will Johnson just had to tap it in. So a beautiful team goal there to make it 1-1. And uh, things looked like, hey, this is pretty good. This is going to be a game. And, uh, boy, what a game it ended up being because uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Red Bulls came back. They, they took the lead again. And this time it was a, a Cam Lindley turnover in the midfield on the in the defensive half. And, uh, you know, and it, once again, yeah. here we go again. Yeah, it fell to uh, to I think was below on the on the assist on the second one. But he made it just a tremendous pass to Etienne. And uh, Sané had stay, he had stepped to try to maybe spring an offside and it didn't work. And he tried to recover. But Etienne's got really good speed. And, and Sané probably was only about couple of inches away from being able to get that pass before it got through, but just couldn't quite get there. Uh, Etienne beats Bendik between the legs of all things. And that's, that's an unfortunate yeah. goal. Should not, should not be given up that goal. Uh, Joe will want that one back and it's two one, but uh, two minutes later, uh, we get a goal from Dom Dwyer because he scores when he wants, Dave, as you know. And uh, he basically manhandled Luis Robles on a free on a corner kick and uh, just powered his way, bowled his way through the goalkeeper. And, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of Red Bulls fans saying crying foul, saying, hey, they interfered with our goalkeeper. And I I don't blame him. I think if it happened to Bendik, I'd be pretty bitter about it. He would be bitter. Yeah, but they <sighs> but, they looked at it. The whistle did not blow, and uh, the goal counted, and uh, it was 2-2. And that's the way the first half ended. And I thought, you know, with a poor start that Orlando City had, I thought that that was a pretty good half, uh, you know, halftime score, cons- you know, with all things considered. I thought that, that Orlando City got more in the game as the half went on. But um, you know, the, the, the danger always with Red Bulls is that uh, if you just turn the ball over – you know, it's you're, it's a scary situation. Yeah, so. they they tend to score in bunches. Although I will say that uh, when Dom got that uh, his first goal, and when you know the team got their second goal, um, in our internal chat, I said, "Well, we were right," or I, I, I said, "I was right." Both Michael and I were wrong about what the score was going to be because we both predicted two one Red Bulls. Yeah, and by halftime. We were already out of the running. Yeah, well, that, and I said that to uh, some folks in the press box. I when it became when it became two one when Etienne scored, I said, well, the one thing we know is it's not going to end like this. There's going to be more goals in this game. Well, how do you figure that? Yep. Well, because I predicted two one, and that's that's what it is right now. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was two two at the half, and now wait and a it, minute, time out, time out. I gave you credit. You don't give me credit in the press box. Uh, that hurts. No, because no, people ah, would. Hurts. Well, people would go who? 
Ah, that hurts even worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm not thinking that, you know, I don't think Orlando Sentinel uh, writers are uh, listening to this podcast, although they should be. They They should be. They have their own stuff going on over there. Um, But, you know, out of the the halftime uh, break, you know, Orlando City comes out and off a a, just a a really heads up play off a throw in, Dom Dwyer smashes in a in a, a goal and makes it three, two. Dave, well, he's, he that, scores when he wants. He, he does score when he wants, and he gives Orlando City its first lead of the season when he wants. Yes, that was very exciting. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, Orlando City has a higher number on the board than the other team. <laughs> this is new. Uh, so that was nice to see, and um, and know, it was it, a beautiful goal. It really was, and then Orlando City really looked like they had a lot of opportunities to 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 put the game away you had um you know Mueller had one just absolutely robbed off the line by Robles it was a a tremendous cross he gets a head on it and it's it's definitely going in and Robles gets like a fingertip on it and keeps it out and that was tough uh there was a a goal scored by Merrim his first as a lion but it didn't count because the offside flag was up and um I will admit that I haven't gone back and seen a good replay of that so I don't have you know, I don't. It looked like it was probably offside live, but I didn't go back and, and take a good, better look at that, which is unusual. I usually go back and look at those uh, plays over and over, but uh, in this case, I did not get an opportunity to. And then, and of course, uh, Mueller was taken down in the box at one point, and yeah, and I, I have looked at that one, and that is a foul, and that probably oh, should have been yeah, a penalty. Not a doubt. It absolutely should have been a penalty, but you know. So some that's going to happen at least once a game. That's going to happen. Yeah. So there's there's some opportunities there for Orlando City to put the game away. They did not. And then in the 82nd minute, they paid for not putting it away because uh, Will Johnson uh, gets what I, I think was kind of a probably a fatigue foul late. He uh, he goes in, gets just gets a little bit too up in, in into the offensive player with his back to goal and fouls him just outside the box. They get a they get a free kick and. Um, Sané gets absolutely uh, molested in the box by Aaron Long, who uh, stays upright and heads it in off Bendik. Another one I thought Joe probably should have been a little bit sharper on, but um, it was 3-3 with eight minutes to go, and you're thinking, oh, and here we here go, we go again. again. And uh, But no, no, this Orlando City team does not stop. They do not quit. No. And, uh, no, they do not. And... Uh, you know, we all thought Scott Sutter had given uh, Orlando City the lead back, but it wasn't Scott Sutter. No, <laughs> it, it was, was not. It was officially Scott Sutter until a couple minutes after the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, the ball, uh, he sent a screamer on goal, and it deflected off the sort of the back of the neck of, uh, of uh, Josue Coleman, who, uh, you know, sort of scored his first MLS goal that <laughs> – he didn't know anything about it, but he scored it, and it was uh, 4-3. He opened his account by the skin of his neck. That's right. Uh, and, you know, the, the most unfortunate thing about the goal change was that they gave Sutter an assist, but they didn't give Kleshton the hockey assist. Originally, it was Sutter right. from Kleshton. And if Kleshton doesn't see Sutter on the far side all alone and get None him that, that ball, happens. that doesn't happen. Yeah, Kleshton absolutely instrumental in that uh, goal and any of the uh, the hockey assist early in the game so could have been a two assist game for Sasha uh, he didn't have the best passing game he's only in the 73 percent area but the one he, he really did connect the the team 
quite well up at the top. The, the, mm-hmm. the passes that he did make were, were phenomenal. It's, it still seems there's a little bit of uncertainty between him and Merum and between him and Coleman uh, as to where they're going to go. And, and I would even throw Yoshi in there a little bit. So I think that that chemistry will get better and better. Uh, but, you know, you, you look at the two goals that he helped make. You look at the the I believe he had the cross for Mueller's header as well. Um, yeah. and, and a number of other really good, really good plays and, and opportunities that were created because he sent the ball the correct way at just the perfect, uh, with the perfect weight on it. So it, you're starting to see what Sasha Kleshin can do in his first home start. Um, I, I didn't think, I thought Bendik had a tough night. Um, I thought that, uh, you know, Dom obviously was, he was the, to me, the heart of the team on Saturday and he really carried the team and, and kind of um, kept the crowd going. And his battle with Colin was just phenomenal. Yeah. It was an epic battle between those two. And, and and honestly, two real opportunities for New York to get players sent off in that game. Colin probably should have picked up his second yellow about five minutes after he picked up his first one. He went right over the back of of Dom with his 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 shoe. Cleared Dom's shoulder. <laughs> well, as Orlando City fans remember, Colin is always good for sending off. Yeah, um, he's always right on that edge, and uh, you know, I, I, he's the same old Aurelian. I mean, he, he you know, the, the play he got his yellow card, he, you know, he rolled around like he'd been shot, and uh, you know, in hopes that if I act like I'm hurt, it won't card me. <laughs> but it didn't work. He got booked. Should have got booked again. I thought that Jair Marufo was extremely lenient there. And also Kaku basically kicked the legs out from under Cam Lindley at the end of the first half, and nobody saw it. And uh, that could have easily been a sending off offense as well. So um, Yeah, you had the, the – like it got replayed so many times, and people are like, I don't see the foul. You've got to look at the top of the screen away from the ball to see what the heck happened on that one. Yeah, it was it was really like there was a little bit of pushing and shoving, maybe some jawing, and, and then all of a sudden, as, boom! As Lindley's kind of walking away, just a, a really cowardly cheap shot mm-hmm. uh, by Kaku, and, and there's there's no place for that, and he he definitely would have been sent off if that was right in front of the you know the referee. If somebody had had a good look at that, I think that's a, a straight red. I don't think anybody even complains about it. So. You know, we'll take it. You know, you could say, well, that Aaron Long may have fouled Sané. And on the other end, you know, Dwyer may have fouled uh, Robles. So that kind of cancels out. I thought it was a deserving win. I I thought that Orlando City was the better team on the day, you know, overall. Um, I think they they had a little bit more possession. I think they outpassed them. They definitely outshot them. Eight shots on goal, which is Mm -hmm. a, a large percentage for Orlando City usually <laughs> I think it was just a couple weeks ago we talked about 19 shots and only like four on goal four against on goal, uh, Vancouver yeah. four might be wrong but it's probably in that ballpark uh and then this this time is 14 shots and eight on goal very high percentage getting them on frame and, and that was uh it was good to see them be a little bit sharper in the final third and I think you have to give a lot of that credit to Dom Dwyer being there Absolutely. Not only that, but, um, you know, we're, we're finally getting a lot of the pieces back. So you had Sasha on, you had Miriam on, you had Dom on, you had uh, Coleman on, you know, all of a sudden all these attacking pieces that we went out and got, mm-hmm. now they're all in the field together. So you do start to see uh, it come together and it 
obviously it came together big for this match. You know, four goals is fantastic um, and was every bit needed to to win the match. But mm-hmm. um, it was um, it, it it was good to see, uh, especially given the um, lack of goal scoring that had happened up to this point. So it, it was it kind of. Um, it, it was the uh, hopefully the floodgates opening for for what we can expect going forward. And you're absolutely right. You know, Dom was the um, the spear, the, the tip of that spear, as he uh, you know kept the his teammates involved, kept the crowd involved, um, was his usual exuberant self, um, and you know grabbing a brace to to boot. His first home brace as a lion since rejoining the team. Uh, I've tipped my hand. Uh, you know, I've been talking about Dom. He's certainly my man of the match. Is that the way you saw it as well? Yeah, without a doubt. I, you know, I, I was originally thinking there was actually a lot of good play. I mean, you know, uh, Johnson played a heck of a game. I mean, other than that foul near the end, like you said, which was probably just from being tired. Um, I thought he had a really good game, but, um, you know, Dom Dwyer scores when he wants, and uh, he he got a brace. Um, and and his uh, the one goal was up for goal of the week. Now, unfortunately, it, it ran up against uh, um, <laughs> Slatan's Slatan's you know shot from. Did Slatan do something this weekend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He scored a brace too, and and one of those was a you know he chipped the goalie pretty pretty ridiculously so um but because if it hadn't been for that i think dom might have won you know goal of the week so because it was you know he he took that the throwing comes in and just you know one touches that thing into the into the goal it was it was quite a uh, an exciting and phenomenal goal so because of all that yeah without a doubt dom was my man of the match yeah he really smashed that and uh, against yeah. One of, uh, you know, not the greatest angle, but against one of the top goalkeepers in yeah. all of MLS. And uh, and he beat him pretty handily on that shot. So uh, just a great play all around. Good heads up play for him and uh, El Munir to find each other. Uh, you know, it's it's rare that you see a throw in lead to a goal for Orlando City, but uh, pretty great. Uh, you mentioned Will Johnson. I think it's worth uh, reiterating, Will had a monster game for Orlando City. Not only did he score the goal, but his passing rating was over 90%. He had hit five of his seven long balls. He had three of Orlando City's shots, two of the three on target. Uh, he won four free kicks. He had eight recoveries, four tackles, two intercepts, five clearances. I mean, he filled the stat sheet. Uh, every. <laughs> I don't know if anybody worked harder than Will Johnson, that's for sure. Yeah, he and and that's it. His work rate was fantastic the whole game, and he had to, to play a couple of different roles. They started the 4-4-2 diamond. At, uh, in the ha- second half, they played a 4-2-3-1, and he was playing a, a defensive midfield role in the second half, more of a sort of a wing role in the in the first half, you know, uh, the, the diamond uh, wing, if you will, um, with Lindley underneath as the six and uh, Yoshi... Uh, and um, and uh, also uh, Sasha Kleshin. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a different role in the second half, but I, I thought he did very well, and I, I think that it really bodes well for this team. If this team is going to be a 4-2-3-1 team when everybody's healthy, which a lot of people think that's the case, 
you know, it, it makes you feel good knowing that Will Johnson's capable of putting that kind of performance in because, you know, you, you're going to have Yoshi going to World Cup. You're going to have yep. some games when you need to rest Russell or, or rest Yotun, and it's good to see that he can come in and play that spot and do it well. So uh, just a tremendous game from him. And, and, you know, he was kind of up and down the first few games, but he certainly had a great game against New York, and it was very important. It was needed. So uh, kudos to him. So our man of the match, obviously, Dom Dwyer and uh, the Lions will now move on to play the Portland Timbers this Sunday. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. Dave, the Orlando Pride were not as fortunate this weekend. No, they were not. They uh, they went up to Washington to play the Spirit. They had no Australians, no Brazilians. So you're, you're already missing five starters there. You're missing a sixth starter with... Camilla being still injured. You're missing a seventh starter as Alex Morgan didn't make the trip with the, the concussion protocol. A little bit sick of the concussion protocol, to be honest with you, so far this season. Yeah, um, it's got <laughs> a little bit too much of it in Orlando this year. Yeah. So uh, the Pride go up to Washington very shorthanded. They played – I'm not going to tell you that they played a great game because they didn't – a lot of turnovers, a lot of problems clearing the ball, but they did play a good road game in that they – held Washington scoreless until late in the game, and both teams were a little bit gassed, but it, it always seemed like some team is going to make a mistake and, and capitalize, and that's going to be it. And it was unfortunately the pride that made that mistake. The, um, the chance in the first half, Rachel Hill smashed one off the crossbar. Um, uh, Aubrey Bledsoe, made uh, the former pride keep goalkeeper, uh, made a couple of nice saves as well uh, in that game. But uh, just a turnover uh, in above the opponent's box uh, just kind of deflected out and, and really ignited the Washington break. And Mallory Pugh was able to replicate Derek Etienne's goal by going through the wickets on Ashlyn Harris, who opened up a little bit too much and uh, showed too much of that five hole and uh, got nutmegged for a goal. And then it was, uh, it was already in the final 10 minutes of the game. And so now it's one, nothing you could tell the pride were shattered. The players were just absolutely gassed from about the 70th minute on. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, Tom Sermani told me before the season started, I don't know. No, no team really is in any different boat, but he's definitely thought his team didn't look like it was going to be 90 minute match fit to start the season. And they don't have the same kind of preseason as MLS teams do. Um, and then of course they didn't have a lot of their players for most of the preseason. So um, very difficult situation to gain match fitness while the season's ongoing. Uh, but you could see some signs of some things there, uh, even without all the star players that were missing. Um, and it was Washington getting the goal and then, uh, you know, pushing forward to try to get an equalizer just kind of led to the second and the second really didn't matter a whole lot. So uh, the pride falling at Washington, a place where uh, the pride have never won. And uh, they come home and uh, they are, or they don't come home. They go to, uh, to an international break and then they go to Portland uh, to play the Thorns. But they are uh, 0-1-1 and on the season. And that's kind of where they've been the last couple of years after a couple of games. Yeah, which should, uh, you know, we gave, uh, or at least we, you and I gave the uh, men's team the benefit of the doubt with guys out on injury and, and whatnot and said, okay, everybody just wait once we get everybody back. All right. So, you know, first match, um, probably go out, 1-1 one, one draw. 
And, you know, now there's a whole bunch of players that aren't there and they go on the road, which is notoriously tough to win on the road, especially against a team like Spirit. Um, and, you know, OK, they get a loss. That's almost to be expected. Um, you don't want it to be that way, but it, it it's certainly, you know, not out of the realm of possibility. And so especially with that many players missing, um, you know, she even said, you know, hey, look, you know, we're not making excuses. We, you know, we're the players that have to be out there. We still have to, you know, do that. But that being said, you know, if you've only got um, so many experienced players that can actually get on the field and, and make a difference, especially late in a game like that, when you've got somebody like, you know, Mallory Pugh, who is one of, you know, a national team player and, and is an excellent player, they're going to make you pay if you make a mistake. It it happens. It's, it's a long season. That's going to happen here and there. Uh, you know, we get a loss on the road. Okay. We got the international break. Okay. Got to travel to Portland. Okay. You know, that all stinks. But uh, this team, what we saw this last weekend is not indicative of who this team is going to be all year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody, or for those of you who, who watch the pride, and if you're not watching the pride, go watch the pride. But for those of you who do, um, you know, take the opportunity Watch the players that don't usually make the field. Let them get their minutes in, just like we talked about, or you know, um, with the Orlando City players. You know, the younger guys getting some minutes in while people were hurt. Same opportunity here. It helps down the road. And that's the positive takeaway I'm going to do. Um, and then you know, we just move forward from here. Yeah, it, it's things will get a little better toward the end of April when the Brazilians and Australians return, but. Uh, they got to weather the storm, and I know the the pride think they have uh, a deep enough team. They should be able to get results without some of those players. Uh, certainly didn't expect to be missing uh, Alex Morgan in week two, um, but you know that's the way the cookie crumbles. And, and that gotta makes be a, a little, big difference. Got to be a little sharper in the final third. Sydney Larue hasn't really found her stride quite yet that she had in the preseason. Um, but it's a lot different playing against uh, NWSL defenders and goalkeepers than against college defenders and goalkeepers. So uh, it'll come for her and it'll come for Rachel Hill and, and hopefully it will come sooner rather than later because the Thorns are not an easy team to beat and it's going to be on the road. Uh, you got to think Portland's going to be in the running for the cup again this year. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that uh, you got to play them uh, not at full strength. Uh, they're going to be missing a couple of players too, but not, not the same amount uh, as, uh, as Orlando. And we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. The uh, Pride will have some players going off to international competitions. Uh, Morgan and Harris are on the team that will be playing to uh, friendlies against Mexico for the U.S. Uh, Shalina Zadorsky is off to uh, help out Team Canada against France in a friendly. And that's on April 9th, I believe. And then uh, uh, Nadia Gomes and uh, Lata Okvist also off to uh, play for their uh, their international teams as well so uh it's weekend off for pride fans Uh, everybody take a deep breath regroup hopefully they'll come back get a if they could just get a draw at portland that's probably a good result considering how many players are missing and then uh you know things will hopefully start getting a little bit back to normal and i I really think this team is a is built to once they get everybody on the field to really uh, build momentum and become just a steamrolling machine toward the end of the year like they kind of like they were last year but i think even more so this year 
Well, sooner anyway. And we spoke about this. I mean, we, we mentioned that, you know, when you have a team that is good, as good as this, that means that you have players who are going to be international players, which means you're yeah. going to be missing them for part of the year, especially in, you know, a year like this. So uh, this was expected. Um, and it was expected by Tom Shermani and the rest of the team. You know, how they adjust, that'll, you know, that'll determine how they do when they, uh, the players aren't there. Absolutely. All right. Before we get to this week's guest, let's uh, circle back to Orlando City for a minute and uh, talk about the uh, – well, before we go even do that, we're going to tell you that the Pride did sign a few players since we last talked, uh, some players uh, uh, for uh, international player replacements. Uh, Nadia Gomes mentioned she is the draft pick for Orlando this past uh, NWSL college draft. Uh, so she is officially uh, a player for the team. She did not get in the game. Bridget Callahan, the first international uh, replacement player, did get a few minutes at the end of the game. So it was nice that she got uh, her uh, her debut. Um, but also a couple other players um, that the Pride have signed. They signed um, Abby uh, Linsky, who mm-hmm. uh, is a... She's a very talented midfielder, was drafted by the Houston Dash. She was uh, let go, um, and uh, Orlando invited her to camp as a non-roster invitee. And uh, also, uh, help me out with the name, Creighton. is Chris, Christine Creighton, Christine yes. Creighton, and uh, she is uh, a player, another player that, uh, you know, Sermani has had in here, you know, training with the group. And, and uh, so those three are replacements uh didn't look like he wanted to get them on the field this past <laughs> weekend probably break in case of emergency uh, options i did think we would Certainly. see nadia you know once especially once uh once they scored uh once the spirit scored i thought we'd see nadia in the game because uh, you needed some offense and there really wasn't anybody left on the bench that could provide any uh at that point because uh chi had played the whole game rachel hill had played the whole game sid had played the whole mm-hmm. game not a lot of real scoring options did bring in danica evans for a rare appearance and it was for a minute there it was like oh wow last year in the second game danica evans tied washington with a late goal <laughs> this is yep. her thing she's she's got this uh but no she didn't really get a, a too many good looks uh, well you, you can't blame them for trying i mean yeah, it worked before so exactly why not try it again yeah, I just think I would have brought in Nadia as well, <laughs> uh, especially because I, I didn't think she was having a very good game. So I thought that uh, right. maybe take her out. But um, anyway, she she did come out uh, before for Danica instead. Um, all right. So, yeah, as I started to say, Orlando City will circle back to them. Some great news this week, at least early in the week. Of course, anything can change between now and the end of the week. But we know, Dave, that today Jonathan Spector was training. We know Yuri Ur- Rossell was training, and we Ooh. know that Stefano Pino was training. Wow, that sounds suspiciously like everybody was back training again. I'm very suspicious of that myself. So that's that sounds too good to be true because <laughs> we don't get to have nice things. That's true, but it would be nice to have some nice things ready to go for the Portland Timbers. Uh, this weekend because uh, Portland has struggled out of the gate a little bit. I think they got a couple of draws in their last couple of outings, but they were they were getting mashed pretty good earlier in the season, and mm-hmm. um, they they look like they're starting to find their footing. But you know it's a long trip for them. Uh, hopefully, it'll be nice and hot and humid. Um, 
They do have to travel across the country. Yeah, so we'll see what happens uh, this week. But, uh, you know, it would be nice to have Spectre back. Obviously, Sané and Tarek are capable players, and they've got their first start together this past weekend. Uh, and they look like they could be, you know, just a formidable center back duo. But, you know, Spectre is the team captain for a reason. He's a leader. He's He knows what he's doing. I think it would probably be... A good problem for Jason Christ to have, to have all of his uh, center backs healthy. Chris Schuler has not been healthy, um, and uh, he wasn't healthy enough to even dress. So the emergency center back when Tarek left the game on Saturday was R.J. Allen. And tell me that wasn't frightening when you saw R.J. Allen <laughs> at center back with Bradley Wright Phillips checking into the game. Yeah. <laughs> with fresh was, uh... legs. <laughs> so... That was that reminds me of the uh, um, uh, the – there was a, a football movie where it was like, hey, coach, uh, I haven't played either. Uh, I don't think I should be on the field. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, yeah, it would be nice to have Specs back. It would certainly be phenomenal to get Rosell some minutes and start to get him match fit. And, uh, of course, um, to have some backup at, at the striker position with Pino. Uh, if he could uh, get work his way back into the lineup, that would be fantastic. Because I think he, he really took a lot from that first game scoring the goal and then the second game he looked like he was starting to work his way into some danger and then he got hurt so um it would be nice to have stefano pino back on because he was sure. our he was he was orlando's co-leading goal scorer until uh, dom dwyer scored two on saturday <laughs> <laughs> yeah well you know going forward let's let dom go score when he wants and then when he's done let's bring on pino absolutely now the cool thing about dom dwyer is he is uh, has played 13 games for Orlando City since the trade. He uh-huh. has scored six goals and assisted on four others. That's a good return on investment. Yes, for those who were uh, a little upset because of uh, Dom's injury, blah, 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 look at the numbers. It's yeah. paying off. Yeah, uh, he's been involved in a goal in 10 goal. Been involved in 10 goals in 13 games. That's. That's pretty nice. That's uh, that's DP I, level there, right there. I, I don't know any. I don't know anybody <laughs> on any team that won't take that. Yeah. Well, maybe not Zlatan because he's played 19 minutes and has two goals. So. Okay, fine. <laughs> anyway, but he's only played one game. Yes, this is true. Uh, all right, Dave. Let us get to this week's guest. Pretty excited. Uh, we're going to uh, talk a little bit about Orlando City in a little bit different way than we normally do. We're going to look at it from a coaching perspective. We're going to get to our special guest right after this. All right, joining us on the Mainland Podcast this week, happy to have with us Orlando City assistant coach Miles Joseph. Miles, thanks so much for being with us on the Mainland Podcast. Thanks for having me. I want to start out, I'm really uh, very interested in the the uh, assistant coach, head coach dynamic, and I just wanted to kind of start out by asking, you know, how you guys, um, you know, sort of divide your responsibilities, what do you what do you and CJ do that's, that overlaps, what do you guys do that's sort of your own domain, and, and that kind of thing? Um, well, so as long as I've been with Jason, we've always had our staff divided up, um, usually with a uh, person overseeing the defenders, goalkeepers and, and the midfielders and the forwards. And so we had a unique situation here and we came in, um, where Bobby had, um, stayed from the previous staff, which gave us a, an option to have more eyes, um, around the field, which was great for us. Mm-hmm. 
Um, my job in particular on the staff is to oversee the midfield group and, and the attacking group. Well, um, so uh, that's kind of how, how they split it up. Gotcha. Um, so uh, with midfield group, attacking group, obviously there was uh, plenty of changes in the offseason uh, for you guys with that. Um, what, uh, you know, how much were you involved in all that in, in the player acquisition, and um, what, uh, what are you most proud of um, from the offseason? Um, well, we're all, we all, the entire staff is very involved with, um, player acquisitions. We, we all do obviously a lot of video work and flying and watch games. We've, you know, we'll fly, you know, all over the world watching games, um, live as well. Um, so, you know, obviously the coaches don't negotiate the contracts, but we, um, we had a very good off season and, and, um, we all, we all agreed that, um, we brought in some really young, t- talented, and also some veteran attackers, um, into this group that are, um, going to just, you know, help us move forward in the next couple of years. And also, um, give us a, give us a, um, a little bit of a, a jumpstart start into what we need as far as energy in the midfield and in the, in the group, the way we want to defend too. Miles, what's the biggest challenge for you as a coach with, with so many new faces coming in this season? Um, well, I think with, when you, you we make so many changes in a group, it takes a little bit of time, um, which is tough for us because, you know, there's not a, <clears throat> there's not a whole lot of time besides preseason um, to, to get things, you know, ironed out. Um, and, and, you know, you, you actually have to have, you know, when you enter preseason, everybody there, you know, for the entire preseason to really start to integrate what you want, um, you know, the team to look like. So when guys are, you know, injured in the off season, they come in and trickle in. Um, I think you're starting to see it now, um, that guys are, um, becoming healthy, um, some of them, you know, had a, some little nagging things through the off season that are now becoming healthy again, especially in the midfield and in the attacking group. Um, and, and that, that helps now because you can see the group starting to really mesh and, um, but it's also brought out some, um, some guys to step forward, um, you know, that, you know, that maybe been, you know, we're 11, 12, 13, 14 on the roster, um, to get some uh, significant minutes, and then some young players like you're seeing with Cam Lindley and you know Mueller um, to keep them to get them some significant minutes early in the season will is gonna is gonna help us in the long run with their maturity and to be able to count on them when you know when we need them. Well, speaking of uh, those uh, uh, lagging uh, or nagging injuries and, and and guys taking a little while to get on the field. Um, how frustrating is that to you as a as a coach, um, and uh, especially you know those first couple matches when we weren't getting a lot of results? Yeah, I mean, it's you know we we have to do we have to look at it in a different way because they're not going to get any healthier any any quicker you know than they are. So we actually have to deal with what we have and 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 who we have and um, you know the results you know, didn't go our way, but what we were doing, um, during the, those, those games, we were getting a lot of chances. Um, and, 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 you know, there was some good soccer. So, 
Um, we know that, you know, when everybody is, you know, when everybody gets healthy and we have, you know, the group that we, you know, that we thought the idea that we had in our you know, picture that we had in our head in the off season to get the, that group on the field, um, when they get together, it's going to be, it's going to be pretty. It's going to look really nice. Uh, the product's going to look really nice. And you can see that that's starting to happen, you know, in, in big segments now. You know, uh, one of the guys, obviously, that you've mentioned, uh, you know, not by name, but uh, as being out, uh, Yuri Rossell, you've had a, a little bit of opportunity to see him in training. What uh, what are you seeing from him and, and, you know, sort of how far off do you think he is from actually uh, getting some game time? Um, well, Yuri was a, uh, one of the most important pieces I, I, we feel in the in the off season that um, number six position um, to have somebody with his qualities and characteristics um, to to be a, to be in that that position on our team is is going to be huge. Um, you know he's you know he's in training, he's doing well, he's he's recovering well. Um, and you know, from what we've seen, you know, he's going to contribute real, you know, a lot to this team and just having him on the field, uh, eventually is going to be uh, a huge boost for our team. Uh, speaking of having Nuri back, um, it's, it's well known that Jason, uh, prefers the four, four, two diamond. Um, obviously we saw a little bit of that at the beginning of the last game and then it looked like you guys switched formations. Um, one would assume with Yuri coming back that that's, that's what you're working towards. Is that indeed the case? And um, if so, uh, we have a lot of readers who are, who are a little bit skeptical of the, uh, the diamond formation. Uh, (laughs) What are, what are your feelings on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just we're, we're, you know, we always balance it out. We always, we always, we've been training since day one, uh, you know, not only in a diamond, you know, we're, we're, you know, we've, we have, we have other plans and, um, you know, so we have to look at our opponents and players and who's healthy and who, you know, what, what, you know, what's available to us. And, you know, we're, listen, we're, we've been very successful, um, uh, playing in a diamond. Um, and this group is, has done a really good job without, our full team playing in the, in the diamond, uh, the players that we built this team around. So I wouldn't say that we've actually played it at our best. Um, but I would say it's at some points it's looked really, really good. So now, um, with, with other players becoming available, um, we'll have to see, you know, we, uh, you know, we still, we still love the diamond, but we're, you know, we're always open to, uh, tell other things as well. So we'll just have to, you know, see when everybody is healthy and what's, what's going to be best for the team. So we're not, you know, we're not closed minded at all. We love the diamond. <laughs> Miles, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the guys getting important minutes uh, early in their career. Um, Cam Lindley uh, yep. and, and Chris Mueller, the two rookies coming in this year. Can you maybe just give your thoughts so far on Lindley's conversion to, to defensive mid, and then maybe uh, just talk a little bit about, um, you know, keeping Chris Mueller positive because he's had some some good moments, but you know, you know, Robles uh, robs him of a goal uh, this past weekend, and and just how do you how do you keep your heads up head up and and continue to to do the little things? 
Yeah, I mean that's uh, that has a lot to do, you know. I think with with us, um, you know, the staff and um, you know how we how we manage the young players. Um, I think you know, obviously, Cam's a tremendous tremendous talent, um, you know. And you know, listen, players are gonna, you know, young players especially as they get used to being pros, whether it's physically, mentally, you know, tactically, technically, you know, they're they're gonna take time. to to really uh, turn into pros, um, so we don't we don't actually judge them on all their mistakes. Although you know, in a stadium full of people, they might judge them on on mistakes. Mm-hmm. But we look at we see a lot of positives for them, and and also you know Mueller's missed a few chances, but that's a that's a striker. He could he could he could score his next three or four chances too. So you know we just have to keep these guys going and practice good habits. And they're two fantastic young kids that want to learn and are willing to learn and want to stay after and training and do all the extra things to become, you know, top level pros. So it's, it's exciting to have them on the team. Um, Miles, you uh, mentioned that you have been with uh, Jason for quite a while now. Um, he seems, he, he's a bit of a, um, a quiet guy um, publicly. <laughs> um, could you give uh-huh. us your, uh, uh, a little insight into um, you know how he thinks and how he coaches and 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 you know give us a little inside scoop so that uh, um, we don't see the only thing that we see is that stoic face of his when he's answering questions. Yeah, yeah. I uh, <laughs> he, he if you knew him or know him like I do, you would. He is one of the greatest people you'll ever meet. Family person. Um, you know. You know. He will do anything for you as a friend, as a coach. Um, I, you know, obviously he's my boss, but I've known him for, you know, obviously the years and, you know, the balance being, you know, close friends with him and, and being a boss, he managed that situation, you know, which is a tough one to manage. Um, he, he's, he's just a, he's a great person. He's, he's, he's a lot of fun which you probably don't see that in the field because obviously he has, he's the face of the franchise and <laughs> he's got um, his game face on. Yeah. <laughs> to, he, he's got to, you know, everything, you know, I mean, he takes his job very serious, which we all do. Um, and, and he has us, you know, he, he has his, his way that he wants to work and it's very important um, that the way that we work with him and it, it, he's, you know, he, he's not, he's not going to take uh, any cutting corners or anything. He wants what's best for this, for this club. And he's not going to cut any corners doing it might, um, you know, he's got, uh, if you could see his work, if any fan or any person could see that his work ethic and what he does in the off season and what he does during the season, they wouldn't have any questions of the direction that this club's going to be going. Miles, I want to turn our attention toward uh, game week and, and preparation for a game. What is is game week like for you from sort of from start to finish, and, and how does the mm-hmm. staff sort of um, you know come together to to create a game plan, decide what shape and personnel will be used, and, and that kind of thing? Obviously, Jason has final say, but but just take me through that process. Um, okay. Well, we, obviously you're, you're scouting, uh, we rotate the games basically from each coach for, uh, 
the scouting part. So we will um, watch the, you know, we'll, we'll do our scouting, however many games it is. Then we'll sit down and put that together the week before our next opponent, watch their, you know, the last game over the weekend and come in get with our um, scouting coordinator um, and our video, our, um, our video, uh, uh, you know, our video analyst and, and, and do a thorough kind of, you know, we'll take all the clips out and put that together and, and be ready to, you know, present what we're going to be working on the week. Um, and then also go over the last game and things that we need to prove on, improve on. And we will set up training for the week on, on our next opponent and basically what we, what we need to be doing. And, uh, and so, you know, Tuesday, Wednesdays will be a little more difficult as far as workloads. And then, um, then you bring it down before the game on Saturday. Um, and all the coaches are involved in the certain aspects as far as, you know, scouting the games, uh, you know, training sessions and, uh, individualizing basically like one day a week we'll, you know, defenders will go work, um, in a small group with CJ and then, you know, we'll get the attacking players and, you know, obviously the goalkeepers train with, um, Tim and then they'll, we'll bring it all together. And, and so we have a good little rotation during the week of how we work. Um, and so we try to maximize that week of work and make sure they have all the energy they need for, you know, Saturday or Sunday or Friday game. But do you ever just like, do you guys like just all sit in one room and say, you know, we need to play this player this week against this particular guy or or does Jason just make that decision based on what he sees? We do that. We do that all week. We do that all week, every day from the time we get in at 6.37 by the time we leave at 6 at night. So um, that's an ongoing conversation all the time. Well, uh, speaking of the players, um, obviously you told us that you work for the midfield and the attack. Um, uh, when you're, so you guys do all the scouting and then you get out and obviously you're getting the players involved in that and showing them what, uh, you're expecting and, uh, not only from the, uh, from them, but also from the opposition. Um, what, uh, what are the, some of the differences you get, um, from, you know, different, uh, guys that are out there? Do you get pushback from some, do you, you know, what kind of interaction is going on when that you have that preparation? For pushback from guys on our team? Yeah. Or, no, we don't. I mean, we, we talk about it, we ask questions, you know, and, uh, but really we're laying out the game plan and there's no pushback because everybody sees it. And the, our, our players are pretty savvy and smart and they watch, they watch the game. So if there's something to be, you know, said or something that they disagree with, they'll, they'll not even disagree with, but they, if they see something different, they'll, they'll they'll say it in a meeting and say what do you you know what do we think about this and and then we'll give them our opinion and um but we're all in one direction when we walk out of a meeting room and um our, our players are savvy and um they they get it so we you know as far as i don't think i've ever been in a meeting where there's been any type of disagreement or you, do- you know or a player holding back because we're i feel that we value ourselves as a approachable coaching staff and you guys don't see us kind of behind closed doors and we have great relationships with our players and um you know so there's nothing that they won't come to us and talk to us about right so everybody's involved and uh, uh, that's not so much pushback but it's a uh, 
a collaboration. A collective, yeah. Well, Miles, uh, we appreciate your time. Before we let you go, I, there's something I've, I kind of always wanted to to know, but I've never remembered to ask this question of any coach I've talked to. How do you guys um, handle set pieces? Do you just tell the the players to create, or you know, because like there's some games where you might have you know 20 free kicks and you can't just do the same free kick over and over. Do you tell them to be creative? Do you work on specific things that you want to try, or or is it a mixture of those two approaches? No, we re- we 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 rehearse, uh, you know, a bunch of ones that we all are that the team knows, and then they have to, you know, obviously see what what is going on as the pieces move, and and decide on what which one they're going to run, or or if they see something that's open, they play it. So, like I talk, like I said earlier. We have a lot of savvy guys on the ball with Sasha and Yotun, you know, um, that know and can kind of see different things happening, um, you know, as, as plays develop. So, you know, we do have, uh, a, you know, a lot of, of set plays that we, that we have in our, you know, in our bag of tricks, mm-hmm. so to speak. Um, probably haven't seen all of them yet because maybe it hasn't showed up yet, but there's a, there's a little bit of an arsenal there and uh you know we can you know we we can trust the guys to to know when the right time is to do it all right well miles joseph orlando city assistant coach thank you so much for being with us uh, on the mainland podcast best of luck to you the, the rest of the season and we really hope you get yuri rosell and, and everybody else healthy and back in the in the rotation quickly <laughs> me too me too thank you guys i really appreciate it it was fun Hopefully I'll be on again with you guys. All right, Dave. Well, that was pretty great. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun talking to Miles Joseph, and uh, we will be sure to have him on again. I mean, he's already thrown that that invitation out there if we want him on again. So, uh, uh, Absolutely. He unless, was that, yeah, unless he was just blowing smoke, he's wanting to come back and talk some more. So we'll be happy to have him back on. It was uh, it was educational for me. I, I've always wondered, it's like, you know, I assume there's some things you identify during game film that you, you want to see if you can pick on, on set pieces. But I always also wonder, you know, when you have 15, 20 free kicks, at some point you go, hmm, what else can we do, you know? And you see this, right. like, really, like, the Red Bulls have these very elaborate uh, sort of playground um, set pieces that they work on, and those are really cool to watch. And you always wonder, you know, you know, what else are these guys working on, and how do they pick them out of their hat at, at any given time? So it was good to get that answered, and good to talk to Miles. So, uh, Well, and frankly, I like the insight into the mind of Jason Kreis. Yeah, I mean... You know, one thing that impressed me about Jason um, this past week is is that he said that, you know, he, he they, they asked him, we didn't talk about this really, but, you know, there were some kids up from the, the Marjorie Stoneman uh, Douglas High. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and also, you know, there was the the situation with Miguel Vasquez, the uh, the supporter capo supporters group capo from ILF that uh, passed away. And, you know, he talked about the crowd and, and how they. They want to feel this connectedness with the with the fans. They want it to be like a family. And it, he said it was very important to him when he even took the job that that it was a, 
a place where the fans did feel like family. And, and it struck me as a really interesting thing to say, considering how much heat that he's been taking, you know. And, you know, the, the pessimist will say, well, he's just trying to get on our good side kind of thing, you know. But um, I don't you buy know, it. There's, there's an earnestness about Jason Christ that, um, you know, comes through when you when you speak to him, you know, a foot away. You know, that, right. that you don't necessarily maybe capture in a, a radio interview or a TV interview or whatever when you're just getting sound bites. But, um, you or know, a picture on the web or a meme or something like yeah. that. I mean, yeah. And I, I honestly think that it, it he's not just paying lip service. I mean, he wants he wants to be here a, a long time. He wants his his assistants to be with him a long time until, you know, maybe they take get their own teams and he wants his his family to be here a long time. And he wants the community to be part of that family. And I, I really believe that. And he, it really uh, struck me. Uh, it was good to see him have a, a really good game uh, in terms of calling Absolutely. the game. And, and, you know, that kind of brings us into our Ask the Mainland podcast uh, for this week, Dave. And, of course, as you know, you're well aware of this, but maybe some of our listeners don't know how they can ask us literally any question they have. Literally any question. any question they have, they can ask us. We'll have an answer. Yes, and uh, they can do that two ways. There's uh, the old-fashioned way where you email us, uh, and you can email themainland at gmail.com. And uh, you can also hit us up on Twitter and just at us. We are at the mainland, and uh, just include our our uh, you know our our Twitter handle in the uh, the reply, and also include the hashtag #AskTMLPC, which stands for Ask the Mainland Podcast. And I suppose technically they could send a carrier pigeon, but uh, I'm not giving out my address. Yeah, uh, the send a raven, Dave. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we do have some questions, and I appreciate those who sent some in. We we have uh, a question from. Uh, actually, the first one I wanted to get to was one that I'm not even sure if we ever got to before. It's from back on the 19th. And I th- think we might have missed it. I don't remember talking about this, but of course I'm old and you're old, so we kind of could have. And just, if we did, we apologize we profusely. Yeah, so, and if we already uh, did it, we apologize profusely. Either way, you're getting an apology out of us. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, uh, Alex Motes had uh, sent in a, a question that he keeps hearing that Jason Christ has a good problem in choosing a center back pairing uh, based on Sané's second half against New York City FC and Spectre not doing anything to lose his spot. Why is there an argument? And you can see Sonny's IQ in just that second half. It's what we're lacking in our second center back. Good soccer IQ. And I don't. I think that the good problem is not that um, anyone would necessarily go to the bench. The good problem is, is that you've got two capable and intelligent uh, center backs, regardless of which two you pick between... Sané and Spectre and Tarek. And Tarek has been a, a very pleasant surprise this year. He's been nothing spectacular, but he's been very steady and very consistent. And uh, he's he's played pretty well overall. In fact, he was our he was our uh, player of the month uh, from the website because uh, yep. in, our, in our staff vote because he's he just had that steady, you know, nothing spectacular, no, no. No real great highs, but no lows either. So he, he really had a, a, a really good, solid first month of his MLS uh, or of his Orlando City career. He's he's actually played a little bit in MLS before, but uh, but that's what it is. And and I honestly don't know. I think Sané and Spectre is probably the preferred center back pairing that the that the coaching staff envisioned when they 
brought in the offseason acquisitions. Um, but the way Tarek's played, I, I don't think you can go wrong. And I think that's kind of what's meant. I, I, certainly Spectre hasn't done anything wrong to lose his spot. Uh, and Sané has uh, has done some good things. And and he yeah, he got beat a few times. And, and every center back gets beat, so that's not uh, a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, just look at Kansas City. They were shipping goals with one of the best back lines uh, in the game. Or in the league. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you could see he's got an athleticism. He's got an intelligence. He uh, he made a number of uh, – there was a, a um, – the week – or the game in GIFs that the – or GIFs, if you prefer to pronounce it that way, on the club's website. And one of those shows a, a really heads-up play by Sané. He, he read the play, knew that the pass was coming, stepped up at the perfect time, and, and forced an offside play. Uh, which he also tried to do on the second goal, but didn't quite react quickly enough, mostly because of this turnover uh, by Lindley. But um, you can see the skill that he has. He nearly scored a goal. Kleshin put a free kick uh, like about two inches over his head on, on uh, earlier in the game. So there's a, there's a there's a lot of quality there, and he's expected to be a starter alongside your captain. You don't name a guy captain and then have him on the bench. So that's kind of the the preferred pairing. And and Tarek has been steady. He's been he's been pretty good. So you can't really go wrong with them. And it's not a matter of I, I think I think Jason will play the guys that are playing the best or the the pairing that shows the most chemistry. I think that's where he'll go with this. I I think this is a, a problem that we're not used to in that we have more than well maybe not more than enough but we have plenty of center backs that are quality players we're not used to that and so you know whether it's uh, el capitan uh, specter who we already know his quality and then the what we've seen from sonia which we expected and then like you said this maybe the surprise of Tarek. um i think one of the reasons why he got the vote um internally was that um you know expectations were not not that they were low, but we, we didn't know what to expect. And so he goes out and he plays very solidly. And then it's like, oh, hey, look at that. There's mm-hmm. another good center back. And, and that's somebody that we can count to be on the field and, you know, not screw up too many times. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so that's that's um, it's it's not something we've been used to over the last couple of years. And so, you know, being able to and I know we've said this before, but being able to rotate three center backs um you know, no matter who starts, is a a luxury that we haven't had before. And so, um, I don't even remember the original question, but you know, my answer <laughs> my answer my answer boils down to, okay, yeah, all three, I'll take them. It's good. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for the question, Alex. And I don't think we answered it before, but if we did, I apologize to everybody for the rambling we just did. Um, <laughs> We have uh, another Twitter question uh, coming to us from Elder Gorilla. Elder Gorilla wants to know, did Jason Christ deserve MLS Coach of the Week and shouldn't Dom be in the starting 11 for MLS Team of the Week? And my answer to both of those questions, Dave, is yes, because uh, I think that Dom really carried Orlando City in a lot of ways emotionally certainly scoring the two goals, providing energy. I think his, his battle with um, Aurelian Collins seemed to, to sort of rub off on his teammates in terms of, uh, you know, um, inspiring them to play hard and to, to, to play through contact and to, um, you know, be physical. And I think all of those things were good. And I, I, 
I certainly am not going to take away uh, from what uh, I think, think the three strikers in the MLS team of the week were Zlatan and Altador and Baji. Baji had a hat trick. Certainly, I mean, I voted for him. Sure. I voted for him for uh, for MLS Player of the Week, so I, I would certainly have him in there. Zlatan did two goals in 19 minutes and essentially carried uh, LA back from a 3-0 deficit to a win. And yep. uh, and and I, I will admit, I didn't see the Toronto game, so I don't know about Altidore, but I certainly think Dom was as deserving to be in that that. Uh, you know, that line attacking line on MLS team of the week as, as Zlatan was. So, because I think he performed the exact same role for Orlando that Zlatan played for LA. So yeah, he was deserving. And as far as Christ, I mean, he, he, you know, he doesn't always make the popular choice, but I think that it's, it's a credit to him to come out with a different shape in the second half uh, to, to get a little more of the game. I think it worked. I think for, uh, in a lot of ways, it, it really kind of kept the Red Bulls from being dangerous for most of the second half. And, you know, I, I certainly think that he earned that win as much as anybody. So yes to both questions, Dave, do you have anything you want to add to that? Uh, only that, um, you know, like I said earlier, if, uh, if Slatan hadn't, you know, chip the goalie that the way he did Dwyer would have gotten goal of the week. So, you know, obviously he was deserving. And then as far as, uh, Jason goes, um, making those halftime adjustments, um, much to either the joy or the chagrin of a lot of our readers. I'm not sure. Um, you know, that, uh, that showed awareness of what was going on in the match what needed to be done. And, um, you know, especially against a Red Bulls team that's been scoring in bunches and to go out and outscore them uh, was pretty much the only way that this was going to go down. So to to be able to put the players in the right places to be able to do that, I absolutely think he was deserving. Yeah, I'm going to contrast his game with Jesse Marsh's game because Jesse Marsh had a player who was injured and playing, uh, he had he he was off the field for a good couple minutes. I'm talking about Duncan, and he was off the field. He was stretching. He was kind of laying down, and it, it looked like it was just a matter of waiting until the somebody kicked the ball out of bounds, and he was gonna and he was gonna get subbed out. He did not get subbed out. They ended up bringing Bradley Wright Phillips on the field and left Duncan out there, and then Marsh was out of subs, and he had a guy who it turns out had a torn ACL. So yep. uh, he did, he was not able to take him out of the game. Uh, mm-hmm. He did actually leave the game. He limped around and tried to do what he could and get in the way a little bit, but uh, he eventually just walked off the field late in the game. Uh, and uh, it was it was I'm sure it's a substitution Marsh would like to have back probably, but um, you know in the moment he needed offense and he's got a Bradley Wright Phillips there. So I don't know if he could have maybe had somebody rotate back and play in Duncan's place and, and have taken him off instead of, uh, I can't remember who Bradley Wright Phillips came on for, but uh, he, he probably could have changed his mind on who to take off there and maybe figured something out, even if it was to go three in the back or whatever. So, um, but anyway, yes. So yes to both questions. Thank you, elder gorilla for your, uh, your questions. Um, question from email. Lee Gavlik wants to know what's your go-to concession stand or favorite food at Orlando City Stadium. Dave, you've only been there, what, once? No, I've been there. I, I went there four. No, I've been there six games. Six games, really? Yeah, 
Yeah. You came down six times last year, and I only saw you once? No, no, no. Over the last two years, I've been down six times. Yeah, but Orlando City Stadium, Dave. Oh, Orlando City Stadium. Okay, yeah, yes. not Orlando Twice. City Twice. games. Okay. Twice. Yeah. All right. Twice. So, what's your go-to concession stand, favorite food at Orlando City Stadium? Are we considering beer food? Um, I think most would consider it a beverage. Oh, dang it. All right. Um, well, I'm a popcorn guy, so I'm, I'm going to keep it simple. I, I go for popcorn. Um, why? Um, if you spill it, doesn't matter, and um, it's light enough and there's enough of it that you can eat it for a little while and not feel bad about paying the money for it. So that's that's what I go for. <laughs> I'll admit that I don't sit in the stands very often. I, I'm usually in the press box. I've only sat in the stands a couple of times myself. But Well, uh, and to be fair, I mean, the times I've been in Orlando City Stadium – I've been in the standing section, so yeah. i got to take something that I can hold easily. Yeah, and, and I was in the supporter section as well for uh, you know, a couple of times that I've been in there too. So uh, I'm a pretzel guy, a soft pretzel guy, a big soft pretzel guy. All right, hard to argue with that one. Yeah, that's good, like that's a good get, choice. I like to get the soft pretzel, get some mustard on it. and uh, I was going to say, do you do mustard? Okay, yeah. excellent. Yeah, so that's that's my go-to. I'm sure there are some really good selections in there, uh, but I haven't really done a lot of walking around. Most of the games I go to, I'm, I've tailgated, so I'm really full when I get in the game usually. Right. <laughs> uh, I think, in fact, the only time I actually ate at the stadium when I was in the stands was for the U.S. men's national team game. Um, uh, for the World Cup qualifier, that's when I had the pretzel. Okay, and so um, yeah. So, so you I, know it's available. You just haven't done it during an Orlando City game. Right, right. And I, I um, again, I'm there at the press box most of the time. And in the press box, they've you know they got some good stuff. They got, I like the build your own taco night in the press box. What? Yeah. See, now you're going to make all the listeners jealous that they don't get build your own taco. Well, I mean, for all I know, there's an artisanal taco stand in there somewhere. I again, I haven't. I haven't like cruised the concourses there and seen what what all there is. I haven't. So I would love to have more time to spend doing that, but uh, you know, everybody on Twitter at Michael or at Mainland <laughs> Michael, there's no artisanal taco stand. Are you sure? If there is, then at Bro <laughs> and tell me I'm wrong. And and just tell us where it is if there is one. So yeah, we... yes, and tell us where it is <laughs> the next time we go. I mean, geez. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, Lee, for the question. Uh, I think our final question tonight comes to us from um, Mark Johnson. Uh, Dave, he wants to ha- ask your prediction for the Merseyside Derby. And uh, you have a dog in the fight. I don't have a dog in the fight. Okay, so uh, Mark Johnson has a dog in the fight, just so everybody. A friend of the show, Mark Johnson. Is he an Everton um, and- fan? He isn't now. Here, let me. I'm going to give a little backstory here. Uh, Mark Johnson is a more recent soccer fan. Uh, was actually an Orlando City fan before he was an EPL fan, which is rare. And um, I tried to bring him to the good side and let him be a Liverpool fan with me, so we could watch the games together just like we do Orlando City. However, he has some uncle, uncle or another that's an Everton fan, so he decided to go to the dark side. Um, I'm sure he's since regretted it. Uh, we have lots of uh, fun meetings now on the Merseyside Derbies. To answer the question, it's going to be 3-1 Liverpool because you cannot stop Mo Salah. Mo will get a brace. Somebody else, whether it's um, Firmino, who knows, doesn't matter. Somebody else will get one. And uh, because it's a derby, Everton will get one. But nah, it's going to be a disappointment for Mr. Mark Johnson. I'm still disappointed that Mo left Roma. 
Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> I'm um, not. <laughs> I, I think Liverpool will win. I don't have a score prediction for you, Mark. I think Liverpool will win. Um, I don't like either team, so I really uh, kind of root for the uh, the meteor to hit uh, the stadium in those kind of, these kind of matchups. Uh, although I, I have a soft spot for Wayne Rooney being a Manchester United fan that I am. So, uh, but I, I don't I don't trust Everton to win against the the, the top teams usually. So, uh, I think Liverpool wins this. All right, well, there you go. Everton gets clopped. <laughs> they do indeed get clopped. <laughs> All right. Thanks to everybody for sending their questions. Again, ask the Mainland Podcast any question you have, themainland at gmail.com. You can email them or send us a, a Twitter. We are at the Mainland, and you can use the hashtag AskTMLPC. Dave, we've got one more bit of business before we get on out of here. All right. Uh, that is our key matchups and predictions for Orlando City against the Portland Timbers. You know, it's funny you say that because I actually did like <laughs> chop down a tree in the last week. Um, I was I was actually chainsaw certified with the U.S. Forest Service, so uh, I, I did do that in the last week, and and so I think that. Um, like me against the tree in my girlfriend's yard, uh, Orlando City does take down the Timbers. Um, so key matchup. I see it's uh, our midfield against theirs, and in particular setting up our attack. Um, I think now that we've got some of the pieces back, I think uh, Coleman will see the field a little bit earlier. Um, uh, Sasha and uh, Miram, I think that's going to be the big key for us that will uh, allow us to take advantage of a struggling Timbers team, especially one that's on the road. And as such, I'm going to predict a 2-1 win for Orlando at home. All right. So you're going 2-1. I think this is a team that Portland is is starting to play better. Um, Fernando Adi is a good player. Uh, he's going to be difficult to deal with. Uh, I think the main problem for Orlando City is slowing down guys like, uh, you know, well, obviously Blanco and Adi. Those are two guys that you definitely have to deal with when you are sure. playing uh, Portland. And um, uh, But I also think Chara is a guy that they, they do. I think I'm probably going to go with Orlando City's attack uh, against, you know, Chara because Chara is one of those guys that breaks up play all over the pitch and uh, he's sort of the engine for them and, um, and and sort of an emotional uh, you know or inspirational kind of leader you know when he makes those crunching tackles and that kind of thing so I think uh, you know dealing with him is going to be an issue especially when you got guys that are a little bit older like question in that sort of that area of the field uh, so it's going to be a, a case of how they deal with with Chara and um, and of course on the other end uh, how do you deal with Diego Valeri uh, because sure. he is uh, he is as slippery as they come, and he tore uh, Orlando City apart last year. So um, I guess the two Diegos dealing with the Diegos is my key matchup. <laughs> <laughs> Diego Chara, Diego Valeri, got to deal with them, and, and I, I really like what Sebastian Blanco brings to the team as well. So um, uh, he had a tremendous assist uh, last week against uh, Chicago. The the um, Timbers started the season diff, you know, with a pretty difficult uh, schedule. I don't think they've played at home yet, in fact. 
Um, I think they're mm. doing they're doing some renovation on the stadium, maybe expanding a little bit. And I, I think it's uh, they've started on the road, and so they've you know it was always going to be sort of a difficult start to the season for them, but they're starting to put things together. They went to Chicago and got a result, so uh, they are certainly uh, starting to turn things around a little bit. Um, in fact, they they've draws in their last two games. Uh, mm-hmm. So at Chicago last week, at FC Dallas the week before that, uh, and then of course there was the the lopsided loss to Red Bulls, and then they opened with a loss, a close loss to LA Galaxy. But everything has been away, away, away. Praise Latan. Yeah, I, I I think I'm going to go two two. I, I think this is a a, a game where uh, I I don't like some of the matchups that I see, and okay. I see Portland sort of turning the corner under Savarisi a little bit the last couple weeks. So um, my, my big reason for going to one is yes, they, they traveled, but they traveled to FC Dallas, which is not that far and Chicago, which, okay, it's far, but they're traveling all like from one end of the country to the other this time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and you and I have mentioned many times that that's a, that's a challenge on the road. And that is why I'm giving the edge because normally I probably would have also chosen a draw, but I'm giving the edge to an Orlando City team that has finally scored some goals, mm-hmm. is feeling good, is at home, and is playing a team that's traveling across the country. That's no, your, my your reasoning, reasoning behind is it. all very sound. I'm I'm probably just skeptical because I want to see Orlando do it again before I, I start to drink the Kool Aid a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, as as somebody pointed out, the the Red Bulls did play. Um, you know, a lot of second choice players as well as, uh, you know, I mean, we didn't see Tyler Adams. We didn't see uh, Moyle. We didn't see, um, um, did we see Royer? I don't know if we did. We didn't see Sean Davis. We didn't see, we saw a little bit of Bradley Wright Phillips. Um, well, sure. But, um, didn't see Parker. Uh, so they didn't, there were some second choice players in there right. and, and so but, i want to see him do it again let's do it do yeah, it and show me again if you could do it against portland and go out and get a win and score three or four goals then you know i'll start to get on that bandwagon but you know i'm until I'm, we have to travel i'm gonna be i'm going to be cautious i'm gonna be i'm i'm optimistic <laughs> but i'm cautious so, okay, um, so what you know right now is that it will not be a 2-2 tie and it will not be a 2-1 win. It will be something else. Uh, something else. Usually it is. All right, well, I think that we've done just about all the damage we can do for this week, Dave. Um, we uh, will put a bow here on episode 119 of the Mainland Podcast. Big thank you to Miles Joseph uh, for being with us this week, the assistant coach for Orlando City, and uh, or one of the assistant coaches. They have more than one. And uh, we want to thank Rafa Cabrera for setting that up. Thank you to the staff. As always. Yeah, thank you to the staff at Orlando City SC. Uh, also, they provided a photo for our for our post for this as well, So, because we didn't have any pictures of Miles Joseph. Um, <laughs> it's really hard to get good pictures of the coaches because you're, they, they stick our uh, photographers at the you know over the end lines. So, you know, mm-hmm. unless you got a really good zoom, you're, you're not getting great shots of the coaches. So uh, we don't, you, you know, I look at our, what our photographers turn in and I'm like, yeah, there's nothing. There's no coaches. <laughs> 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 They're far away. Um, but anyway, uh, so thank you to Jackie for rounding that up. And thank you to the club for loaning us a photo. And thank you to Rafa for setting up the interview. But most of all, thank you for, thank you to Michael uh, Miles Joseph for his, uh, his time uh, on a busy uh you know, game week. 
Dave, that will do it. Uh, we'll be back next week, you and I, to uh, break down Orlando City against the Portland Timbers. We'll probably talk about the U.S. women in their two games against Mexico. Uh, they mm-hmm. should win both of those uh, comfortably. Um, but you never know. You know, Anything can happen in the international game. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a quick turnaround because the Portland game's on Sunday and then the, the Philadelphia trip is... Uh, it's the Friday, so Ooh. we'll have plenty to discuss, and then we'll have to get ready also for the Pride at the Portland Thorns. So lots and lots going on. We're in the thick of this thing now, Dave. And uh, yep. tell everybody where Start. they tell everybody where they can find you on the social. Uh, so uh, obviously, I'm at the mainland, and you can find my uh, articles there. I'm also uh, at D E V E R O H E on. Uh, Twitter and uh, feel free to at me there, whatever you like. Um, I think that's probably about everywhere they can get me. Yep, and you can at me on Twitter at uh, you know Mainland Michael and spell Maine M-A-N-E like a lion's mane. Uh, please like us on uh, Facebook or Facebook page and uh, you know follow us on Twitter. Read our stuff at themainland.com and tell everybody about this podcast and uh, have them subscribe. That'd be great. And, of course, if you send us uh, or if you write a review and give us a five-star review, we will read that on the air. And write something. Yeah, you got to write it. you got to write something. You can't just – if you just put a five stars in there, we don't know. We thank we you. We don't know who you are. We, we a little no, too. but we thank you. <laughs> yeah, we thank you, and uh, it, it certainly helps us reach more people. So that's uh, that's always important. So we'll get out of here, and we'll put this one to bed, the Mainland uh, Podcast episode number 119. We are signing off the way we usually do, by saying, Go City! <laughs>